You are listening to Trophy Horse with your hosts, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. Everybody and welcome to Trophy Wars. This is episode 447. I'm your host, Chicky Mick. Along with me, the man, the myth, the legend, he's Alex. You know, I always hoped that someday I would be able to call myself a living legend. And now I have the platinum trophy to prove it. That don't mean shit. Yield is not here this week, but we are going to bring on the true master of the dual screens. It's Mr. Andy. How are you doing, sir? 447 episodes. Holy God. It's a lot. That's isn't a whole it? lot of stuff. It's a lot of, Yo, lot of quality content. A, a little behind the scenes. I was about to say your last name, but I never could pronounce it right, so I just stopped myself. Did I Did I pronounce it right earlier before you we started recording, Andy? Flawlessly. We're it's going like, full Asimachus. That's it, baby. I... I <laughs> you, you, you know, I always like like feel like I'm when I go to see you last time. I feel like I'm calling you an asshole, so I just stop myself. Listen, I've heard worse in my life, so it's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Andy, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. You know, I've uh, played a lot of games this past weekend, taking some downtime for this thing with you guys. So I'm in a good mood. Well, it's good to finally have you on the show because we've been trying for close to a month now to have you on the you show. You know, my idea and was... Ca- and you kept canceling at the last my minute. My idea was let me cancel enough times back to back and then when I finally come on the show, he'll regret having me come on. Well, well it's it's also funny because I fo- we finally got you on the show and then Yield's not here. <laughs> I mean, that could be a good there thing. There you go. It was thing, all meant know. to be. I'm here to fill the gap like I do in real I, life I mean, all the time as often as it, I can. It, it's like when we play Rocket League, you know, we can deal with that. Boy, uh, you are real or... brave bringing up Rocket League, given the shitty performance you put through this past week. All, all I'm going to say is we didn't lose a game when Yield wasn't there. The loser didn't start until Yield showed up. This, ladies and gentlemen, coming from a guy whose stat line was mostly zero in a lot of the games and who scored 20 points in probably half the games. I never got a zero. Don't lie to the audience. You didn't get a zero, but you did. There were many games where you had zero goals, zero saves, zero assists, and zero shots. Listen, you ain't got room to talk after three weeks of bad performances and finally showing up. What are you talking about? I have performed solidly every week. Andy, you got to see this shit. Uh, and it sounds bad. like you're just like a, you're not even there, Tricky, like a earlobe, just hanging out, not contributing. Well, I, I, Tricky well, can sit I, here I and try to talk shit all he wants, but the people who watch the stream. <laughs> he caught more than enough shit from the stream during his his performance. Okay, let, well let's let's talk about who was giving me shit. Uh, T Bird from the Loot Brothers, which it's already mute, and your stepson. So that doesn't count. That does. No, because you were handing him messages saying, "Hey, say this in the chat." I absolutely did not. I oh didn't have time. I, I can't pay attention to the chat messages during Rocket League. I'm focused on Rocket League. Scoring them goals. I scored 11 you, goals wait, in the wait. first three games. There, there was four or five times 
that you were not moving around and all of a sudden some message came in the chat. So, yeah, you actually yeah, had time. That's a pinfall hatchet, Tricky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this coming from the guy who was sitting in goal once and the ball came right for him and he jumped over the goal like he was Mario and it was a Goomba. <laughs> I, 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 can't, I, can't, I, I can't deny that actually did happen. But Alex also likes stealing goals from people, so. Oh, oh really? Uh, because no one agrees with you, both Homer and Yield side with me. And I noticed you didn't post a video of that goal or the goal that you stole from Yield. Well, I, I have footage of the goal from Yield, which I did not steal. Uh, that's and stuff for the, the community to decide. And the other one, I just hadn't had time to go find it because I was rearranging my studio, as you guys can see. All right, well... We stream Rocket League on Twitch every Thursday. Usually it's me, Homer, and Yield, but sometimes we have guests, including Tricky. Uh, I think Levi's going to join us one of these weeks because he's it's now is on PlayStation Now, and he can play it through there. So uh, check us out on Twitch sa- uh, Thursday nights at 7 for some Rocket League action. But yeah, spe- Speaking of which, I, 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 I kind of felt bad because I did know Rocket League was on PS Now, and he's been waiting for it to go free to play, and I totally forgot to tell him, hey, go, you know, go download it. I felt bad. I didn't know it was on PlayStation Now because I, I don't have PlayStation Now, so I don't know what's on there. Yeah, it's all right. So let's move on because we're, uh, let's see, almost six minutes into the show. We still haven't even gotten to our trophies yet. I am level uh, 56, total trophies of 13,216 with 244 platinums. Alex? I am level 31 with a total trophy count of 7,049 and a platinum count of 105. In 104 games. Man, it feels good to be a living legend. (laughs) Yield is level 30, total trophies of 6,709 with 111 platinums. He got one, but I didn't look it up to see what it was. Sid is level 41, total trophies of 9,879 with 171 platinums. And Andy. Is this current? These numbers you have for these figures, I feel like... They were... They're current as of an hour ago. Well, there you go. So I am level 13 with a 1505 uh, trophy count and two a whopping two platinums. Do you know what your platinums are? I believe it's Final Fantasy 15 and, oh, what's the other one? Spider-Man. The Walking Dead? And Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man. Oh, so you never even went and got the Walking Dead platinums. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so let's get into what we're playing. Andy, we'll start with you. What have you been playing, sir? Whew, so I've been playing a lot of, this might be blasphemous on a PlayStation-centric podcast, but a lot of stuff on Game Pass lately. Uh, Battletoads, and I am hating it a lot. Okay, so I, I grew up loving Rare and Battletoads, like beat em ups in general, but like Me Battletoads too. specifically, and I've been crying for years to get Battletoads and Smash Brothers. What is it about this game that you don't like? Because obviously I've kind of been following it, even though I'm a PlayStation. Uh, right. I've been following this closely just to see how they treat the uh, the IP because Battletoads is something I grew up with. So it, for me, it was it was an uphill battle because the art style didn't really jive with me. But I was like, you know what? I can forgive the aesthetic if the gameplay is pure Battletoads. And sadly, it's it feels so generic and uninspired, and it's very basic. Like, when you have games like Streets of Rage 4 that really, like, encompass the beat-em-up genre per- perfectly and actually make it more fun than how you remember Callback in the day, this just feels like you got bad hit detection, 
it's you know choppy frame rate it's it's not it's, it's so short like within it and i would say in the day i finished it and in, in one sitting it's not even challenging like it used to be back in the day it's just not what battletoads is supposed to be. it's also got a lot of shitty obnoxious and annoying humor which i'm not sure where that comes from with battletoads and i never got that from that license just shitty bad written jokes and well, someone pointed out, I think it was Roberto from, from GameStuff, pointed out that the the evil queen looks almost like Dude. a Kim Possible villain. Dude, it is. They have stripped her of all her sexuality. So, listen, as a gay man, I loved her, like, dominatrix look from back in the day. So empowering and just so iconic. And now she looks like a Steven Universe character. And well, I mean, so not sad. even that she just kind of looked like a dominatrix. Back in the day, she actually looked evil and threatening. Right, This new right. version doesn't even look that. No, she looks like a, a someone cosplaying the Dark Queen. Like, someone's five-year-old niece cosplaying the Dark Queen, but, like, in an ultra-conservative, no sexuality whatsoever, and it just looks bland, and it's not in no way threatening at all. Well, it's sad. it's sad that it's not as challenging. I mean, granted, Battletoads is renowned to be one of the hardest games ever, mm-hmm. and you don't want a game to be so impossibly hard that it turns people off. Right. But you obviously want some challenge to kind of, you know, pay homage properly to the series. You know, the you talked about the art style, and from the start, like, I can kind of be on board with the art style, but mm-hmm. it was, it, I don't know, it, was, it wasn't something that I immediately liked. Right. But, um, oh, shit, what was I going to say? Oh, I'm sorry, I lost my thought. Well, I'm, I'm oh, I was going to ask you. Uh, did Rare make this? No, this was not at all made by Rare. I think it was... They may have consulted, maybe, that, and that's like aiming high, but I feel this was handed off to some other team entirely. Well, because I, I know they, they did a Killer shows. Instinct recently, which is another Rare franchise, okay. and I don't really hear much about that Killer Instinct either, so it seems like a lot of these old franchises that, Rare, that uh, Microsoft is bringing out, especially of Rares, I don't even know if they're being developed by Rare. Or how much input Rare has, you figure yeah. that's the person you would want to do them. It's just sad because with, with all these that should be major first party releases, there's no celebration. It's not like a moment, okay, our game's coming out, here's a beautiful launch trailer, it's like coming out on this day. It's just sort of like quietly dumped on Game Pass without any real pomp or circumstance and it just kind of fades away into your memory. Like, it comes and goes. There's no lasting impression. And that's what's something that Sony and Nintendo are much better at when they have a first-party yeah. release. You know, they make a big deal about it. Like Whereas Battletoads, for it to be, you know, them to do yeah. a new Battletoads game, like, that's a big deal. Especially since Battletoads have not been in the spotlight for decades now. Exactly. That's just sad. Ugh, that hurts my heart. <laughs> I was just talking, didn't realize I was on mute. The audience will thank you later. That was a great exchange, by the way, with you, me and Alex. I, I appreciate that. That was good. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, I, because we have Games Pass, so I can actually play Battletoads on the Xbox we have downstairs. But uh, I, go back, it's, go like I said, it's a game I've been following closely, but I, I'm glad that I was able to ask you about it since you've played it and actually beaten it. Right. right. All right. All right. This was made by Dahlia Studios and Rare. Yeah, but I think Rare is just in name only. I don't think they actually did any of the work. And besides, even though Rare today is just, again, it's just a name. 
Like, whoever was part of Rare back in the day is no longer with Rare. Those, all those faces are gone. That what, that what, the folks that made Rare great back then are no longer with them today. Ain't nobody who all made right. Jet Force Gemini still there. Exactly. Or, all or, right, so or Conquer. Is, is that all you played, Andy? Uh, some of that I played a bit of Carry On also on Game Pass, which is a reverse horror game where you play as an alien blob thing and you eat people. Okay. That's a lot of fun. Sounds that, like that it. speaks to the horror person in me, and it's all like gorgeous pixel art, which I love more than most artwork uh, when it comes to games. And just eating people and growing larger in size, and just hearing blood curdling screams, and just coating the screen with blood and limbs and body parts makes me a happy guy. Man, that sounds like a drive-in movie special, like a Saturday night, it, it, like a good way to spend a Saturday night at the drive-in yes. theater. Yes, it is. It's that to a T. <laughs> All right, Alex, what have you been playing, sir? So if you didn't pick up on it earlier, you didn't see it in the Trophy Horrors Facebook group earlier this week, I got the Platinum Trophy in Ghost of Tsushima. So okay. did it in under a month, which is shocking, because when you first open the game and you look at that map, you're like, well, I'm going to be here for six months. But uh, the uh, the after game or like the 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 cleanup, the mop up trophies that I did after completing the game didn't take me as long as I thought they would. And a tip from me to you all, if you're playing Ghost of Tsushima and you're going after the platinum, um, one of the things that I did that took me a lot of time while playing the game was just kind of like so the map is covered by clouds essentially when you first get in, and as you explore areas, the cloud liver uh, the cloud cover lifts, and you get to see like everything that's around you. Once you uh, fully liberate an area from the Mongols, all the clouds go away in that area, that part of the island, and it'll show you where all the side stuff is, or most of the side stuff. There is some hidden stuff, so um, maybe don't go traversing around for hours and hours just to unlock a little piece of the the map. Wait until you liberate it, and that'll show you essentially where everything is. That'll save you a lot of time. And then I started playing Cuphead, which is a game that came to the Xbox Long, long ago, it's a game I've always wanted to play. The art style was really enticing. You know, the music, the old timiness of it, just the the, the whole charm is, is very endearing. So it's a game I wanted to play, and I am I'm really enjoying it. It's it's a game that's you, oddly is it is it a little too hard for you? you no, know, it's it is challenging. It's I, very challenging. I don't want to. I've played I've played a lot of like bullet hell games and and shoot 'em ups. I wouldn't call this a bullet hell game because it's mm-hmm. it, it it's not really bullet hell. But it is a challenging game. It reminds me a lot of playing Punch-Out when I was growing up because Punch-Out, you had to kind of learn the fighters' mannerisms and their patterns and the best way to counterattack. Because most of Cuphead, there's like two levels per island where it's a running gun, but most of the levels are just boss fights. So you essentially have to, over and over again, uh, trial and error with the bosses until you can get good enough to beat them, and you know eventually you'll... Hopefully, I don't want to say perfect, but get good enough where you'll beat most of the like beat them most of the time. So it is a challenging game, but I'm on Inkwell Isle three. After Inkwell Isle three, it goes to Inkwell Hell, where the the casino and the devil are. So I've gotten through eleven of the nineteen bosses, and I started playing on Thursday. And I'm not playing like six hours a day trying to get through. Like I'll beat two or three bosses, and then I'll take a break and I'll I'll stop playing. So um, it's a fun game. Like I said, I love the art style. Challenging, but not like so frustrating that you throw a controller it's like you can see yourself getting better through each fight and you're like okay i got here at this point i got to this phase of the boss fight i can just do a little better and get to the next phase and eventually you know you learn the boss fight you spend the time you put in the hours maybe not the hours but 
uh, you put in the time and you'll eventually beat the boss. And it's so it's challenging and you each attempt is a build upon the previous attempt. But I've never been frustrated or like screamed at the game or anything like that. So challenging, yes, but far from impossible. You, do you want to know the world record for the speed run? 15, of 15 something. 23 minutes. Oh, uh, all right. I had heard it was 15, but uh, that was that. coming from Ashley's youngest. So that, that could have been. Actually, no, wait, I take that back. I apologize. I was looking at the wrong thing. On, okay, well, there's different filters, but this one for a simple run on Legacy, which is, you know, the launch edition, the world record is 17 minutes and 11 seconds. Yeah. On the, on the new one, which is loading up right now, with the new patch, the world record is 20 minutes and 38 seconds. Yeah, I mean, yeah, those I games, mean, are like, it's all about the patterns and recognizing them. Those things will never change. Like, where the enemies will be placed, how they'll react, how they'll respond to you. Same with the boss fights. If you get the pattern nailed down and know when to attack, you can breeze right through it. Again, not, not a hard game. It's just it requires a lot of patience on the player's part to get there. And, and there's a lot of, like, um, it's one of the, the cool things about this game is you go to message boards and you do, like, you look at tier lists for all the boss difficulties, and... Everyone has their own experience of the game. I mean, yes, they're like a lot of people agree on certain bosses, but for the most part, people will say like, "Oh, this boss is really hard for me," and then someone else will say, "Oh, that boss is actually really easy for me." So everybody mm-hmm. has kind of their own struggles in this game, which I guess speaks to the bosses because not all, only are they very cool and very varied and very well designed, but they are you know each one of them has their own things that make them difficult, and depending on how your play style is one boss that is easy for someone else might be really difficult for you. Right. And and like I said, like all the bosses, they're like not just an art style, but just like the bosses that came up with like a ghost train or boxing frogs. Like they're like all the bosses are really, really. (laughs) All right. And as far as for what I've been playing, uh, I've been playing obviously division two. I went back and started playing left behind on uh, The Last of Us original game. Obviously, I'm playing Rocket League. Playing a lot of Fall Guys. Uh, I, I'm trying to organize a community game night with these guys and do that. And just a couple hours ago, I started playing Rogue Company, which I actually, uh, I'm really enjoying. And might actually give uh, Division 2 a run for its money. Oh, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, here, so before, before we move it. on, I want to say this is a, a, you know, a trophy show, so... Cuphead's one of those games where you really can't care about the trophies. If you own multiple consoles, you know, if you if you care about 100% getting trophies, then maybe buy it on another console like the Switch or something. But <laughs> the trophies and achievements are really hard, like having to beat the game on Expert or getting S ranks on all the bosses. So There's people with the Platinum already, just so you what's know. What's that? There's people with the Platinum well, already, yeah, I know. just so you There's know. always going to be people with the Platinum before I even start playing it. But it's not an easy Platinum. So if you are concerned about the Platinum and you have another way to purchase the game, maybe think about that. But if you're just looking for a fun game to play, you don't always care about getting the Platinum Trophy, then I 100% would tell you to buy it on PlayStation 4. Sid, if you listen to this, do us a, do us a Sophie's Trophies on the, on the Cuphead Trophy. Sid, Sid actually has been playing Cuphead because I've seen that on my, my PlayStation Network. So That's why I'm telling Sid to do a Sophie's Trophies on it. All right, so let's move, Let's get to our first ad, then we can get into our topic. Please be Steven. Please be Steven. If you're enjoying this, please be yes, sure to join Steven. our PlayStation 4 communities. <laughs> we have one for the site, Proven Gamer, one for the show, Trophy Whores, 
Remember that whores is spelled with two V's because Shuhei Yoshida won't let us say whores on the network. And when you get a shiny new platinum trophy, be sure to post it in the Platinum Guild. Yield may or may not give you a shout-out in the next year or so. Trust us, it's worth it. All right. Uh, Alex, I'm going to have you do the first topic because I actually have not watched this commercial. Really? Yeah. So the first ever commercial for the PlayStation 5 actually leaked, and then following up on that, Sony officially released it. It's it's hard to describe, but um, go watch it for yourself. It's, it's, um, it's basically... It focuses on one person, which you would assume is a, a PlayStation fan, and it's basically walking you through like all the sensations you feel, all the senses, like the hearing, and, and just all that kind of stuff that you feel while playing a video game. And it focuses on basically those kind of sensations and what you can experience within the world of PlayStation coming to the PlayStation 5. There's not any kind of gameplay footage. There's not like anything about the games. It's just basically touting... This is what you can feel, and these are all the sensations you can feel while playing a PlayStation 5. So, I mean, like, as, as far as a commercial goes, I don't really think it's going to sell anybody on the PlayStation 5. Like, if you want a PlayStation 5, you're going to get one regardless of this. And if you if you don't want one, or you typically play on PC or Xbox or Nintendo, and you're one console person, this isn't going to convert you to buy a PlayStation 5. It's just basically them trying to visually show you how you would feel, you know, or how you're supposed to feel playing a PlayStation 5. I mean, it's, it's a decent commercial, but it's not like I've seen better from Sony. Like, I, I think a focus more on the games and highlighting those, like just like even a, a montage of games would be far better than this kind of stage thing that they had. I don't know. Andy, did you watch it at all? I did. And you know what? For a, a spot that didn't really cover any games or gameplay... I'll take this over a creepy PS3 baby or those PSP I love or, those or, those, commercials. or those PSP squirrels. <laughs> Here's the thing though, Andy, you still remember that PS3 baby. So it obviously right. had it. It's a tinted effect. That's true. So I think I think yeah, it's uh, it, it still it haunts me. That fucking baby. But, it, but it's it was a really weird commercial for me to try to describe. Andy, did I do a good job describing it cuz I feel like trying to oh, find yeah. the words to describe it just it's like something you have to watch. Right, it was more like talking about the like getting you on board with the new tech, like the 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 controller, the 3D audio, like stuff like that, like feeling the, the a bow and arrow being pulled, those kind of things. I mean, it's nice for those who know about like those advanced features for the PS5. It's great, but I think for most casual viewers, like, well, what do you what are you trying to sell me with this? Like, I know it's coming with also no price and no release date but what is the point of this besides hey it's on the horizon the ps5 like show me a little, a little bit more just for the normies to get a little bit more on board well because they they didn't go into the specs or anything like that they just well, you don't need to no but they do need to give us a release date or a price possibly eh, in the first commercial th that can wait <laughs> All right, well, speaking of release date and price, uh, a rumor has been certain around the internet uh, from Twitter user IronManPS5. Uh, he tweeted out, Sony Corporation is the manufacturer of a highly anticipated game console developed by Sony Interactive Entertainment called the PlayStation 5 Digital Edition. Sony PlayStation 5 Digital Edition releases in North America on November 20th, 2020, 
at a retail price of three ninety nine. There's he no also way noted, it's that low. He also said that the th- this is the digital version for three ninety nine, uh, and the one with the disc uh, is going to cost four ninety nine. Well, it looks like you're going to have to buy more hard drive space. Because if it's if it's a hundred dollars less, my my guess is it's going to be like under a terabyte hard drive. There's no way they're going to chance they're going to pass up the chance to sell us more space, but for the same amount of money as the disc the disc based. Well, okay, let's let's be fair. This has long been the rumor anyway, so it's not like this guy's breaking some news. This is just him putting out a tweet saying, "Oh, if it's right, I told you so." But this has long been the rumor. I'm still hearing that both versions are going to be the same price. They're just going to put a bigger hard drive in the digital version. Well, you're going to have to because if you're expecting people to download games all the time and only do that, the amount of frustration people would feel with having to delete larger games to, to download other games, like you don't want that. You want it to be as much as you can have it, kind of just a very like add to your library as often as you can without having to delete things. Yes, but we're, we're also, I mean, granted, we haven't had a rumor or, or anything lately but there's still that chance that they have that uh, special hard drive disc type things that they said that uh, they can sell for other people, you know, for more space. So if they if they can get you in the door at four hundred dollars on the discless version and then sell you these you know hard drives, you know, for a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars a piece, they're making their money back. Well, I think Sony is just are they doing their own proprietary hard drive? Or just saying that, these are our well, recommended drives. I think on the Series X, they're doing their own like terabyte little memory things that you buy separately to increase storage on your Series X. Well, when we when we first heard about the specs of the PlayStation Five, they went into a lot of detail about the hard drives they are putting into the systems. Mm-hmm. But before we had any news other than the PlayStation Five was coming. There was the rumors that you had the, I, I, I mean, it's not like a standard hard drive, but it was like this uh, little 3DS cartridge size card. So it's essentially like a memory That's card. The Series X you're talking about. No, no, no. This, these were Sony branded memory cards. I Hold on. don't think that's happening. And also these are solid state drives too. They're going to be for the new systems, not hard drives. And I think I, the, trying, I think the I'm, small memory cards you're referring to are, are for the Series X, if I recall correctly. And oh, oh, I think on. Sony is saying we've researched which third-party hard drives, I'm sorry, solid-state drives, work best with our hardware that you can buy to up your memory on your system, be it if you, diskless or digital. Look at, look at your Skype right now. Yeah, I see that, that. That's what I'm talking about. But those are rumored or official? They they were rumored long before we had any news at all. Right, which again, that could be all horseshit as far as you know. <laughs> right. But 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 what I'm saying is my point is if they're willing to sell the discless version for four hundred dollars to get you in the door and then sell you that, that could be the opening. Because they know that people are gonna need the space. Oh, it depends now, because I feel like if you're charging less for the digital version with low end on the memory, first of all, the games you're going to be getting now are going to take up much more space as it is. So it's kind of bullshit. Right, well, we're, you, we're approaching games now that are one gig each. Right. So let's say I have like 
what, three or four games and my whole thing's already filled up already? It's like, that's kind of nonsense. <laughs> that's like you're forcing me to buy additional space. Well, that that that's my argument, saying that's why they're gonna they'll get you in the door four hundred dollars yeah, and then sell you the extra space. That just sounds like really bad practice. That's gonna, that people are not gonna like that. That's you're gonna low end the hard drive space just to sell additional like accessories, basically. Well, well it wouldn't be the first time they did it. Vito. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> just, just being real here. <laughs> uh all right. So, let's move on to our next topic here. Everybody, go out uh, and get the platinum trophy for Ghost of Tsushima, so you can participate in Ghost of Tsushima Legends, which is the new co-op mode, the online oh co-op mode coming this fall for free. Oh my god, you guys! Oh, might as well just keep going, Alex. No, you, you go ahead. I was setting you up. I was segueing you. <laughs> uh yeah, it's a new. Co-op multiplayer mode that comes as a free download, as you'll just up the yield, as Alex just said. Uh, Legends is an entirely new experience. It's a separate mode that doesn't follow Jin or the co- companions. This, this is coming from, from the PlayStation blog. Yeah. Previous story came from IGN. Jesus, I, I hate you sometimes. Hey, Alex. we got to give proper credit. These aren't our stories. I'm just gonna put a disclaimer: unless specified, all articles come from IGN. Uh, okay. <laughs> It's a separate mode that doesn't follow Jin or the companions from his journey, but instead focuses on four warriors who have built up as legends and stories told by people of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima's single-player campaign focuses on open world and exploring the natural beauty of the island, but Legends is a haunted and fantastical... Fan- yeah. With locations and enemies inspired by Japanese folktales and mythologies and an emphasis on co- cooperative combat and action. Alex, I'm assuming that you are very excited about this. I am definitely glad that they allowed people to play through the single player first and then are releasing this later on because I, I, I don't know. I personally, I, with how much time and effort they put in this game, I think that too many people jump into the multiplayer aspect of a game and forget about the single player stuff. So I think this was the right way to release it. And also I like that it's kind of separate from the original story. So like, as you said, you're not going to be playing as Jin or his allies. You're going to be playing as a group, like a, like four classes of characters and it's going to be less focused on the natural environment and more on myth and legend. So I definitely, while there was myth and legend within Ghost, Ghost of Tsushima, the the single player, I think this like hits on different points. You know, you can play online co-op with another person, two people, and play story-based missions. And then you can also do four-player like um, wave-based attacks. Um, I'm trying to say swarm, but I, I don't know what the ex- actual name would be. Um, survival or something like that. So you can actually take part in different like online co-op modes. And if you beat the survival modes and the story modes, you actually get something else on top of that. They haven't really announced what it's going to be, but they're also into introducing new enemies into this, like the Oni. So like it's a free update and it looks like they're putting a lot of stuff in there. Cause you know, if they had announced, I think that they were doing multiplayer first, like if they, like before the game released, if they had announced they were doing multiplayer and single player, I think that would have gotten a lot of groans. Now that people have played the single player and say that the single player is really, really good, the fact that they're adding on multiplayer and probably been working on it for a long, long time, it's it's just better to kind of head off those groans before they can come in. All right. Yes. This. Andy, you want to add anything to this? Oh, yes, I do. Good God, yes, I do. First of all, just to echo Alex's <laughs> thoughts, I love how they've allowed the single-player experience to breathe 
and amass a massive following. You're talking like close to 4 million players now who have bought this game. That's a huge audience going into this multiplayer component. Plus, you also have, if you're on the fence at all about buying this game, you're taking some of the slickest, most fun gameplay and combat in a single-player game and putting in a multiplayer experience. This will make folks buy the game. Having this free update waiting for them is just like the most brilliant move, I feel. And it was I think it's also a really good move to allow people to get a hold of the combat and then release mm-hmm. them into online multiplayer. Exactly. And I, I love the whole, it's going to just focus on the Japanese folklore. Because we saw bits of that in, in the actual single player story of like the, the, the mythology of the, of the Japanese demons and, and mythical figures. But now they're going full on. It's like Neo has invaded <laughs> the, the ghost world. And, and I love it. Trying to look up to see how many copies it's actually sold. Uh, I don't know, but all, all the articles say that it's very popular in Japan. Dude, Japan is loving the balls out of this game. It is single. Uh, it is, I think it's the best, the best-selling first-party Sony game in Japan. And I think it dethroned Death Stranding and Spider-Man to get to the top. You, both will also be happy to know that 8.8 million foxes have been petted. Love it. Yeah, I think that's an old number, though, because Ashley sent me something <laughs> like that, and it was over 8 million at that point. That was a couple weeks ago, so I think that might be a little old, but, dude, and, and petting I, those foxes I, is one know, of my favorite things those, in that game. Half of those were for me. Uh, I, I just love how I just threw out a cheap, like... <laughs> information there and you actually took it serious i was just joking with that that sounds like a little bit of a microsoft pr there tricky there have been 500 zillion headshots in state of decay in case you're wondering right (laughs) all right uh before we get into our batman news let's go ahead with another ad if you're looking to help support us more you can always stop by our patreon page that address is www.patreon.com backslash proven gamer no matter what tier you decide to support us at, know that it greatly helps pay the bills and is the only way to get our newest podcast, Tricky Thoughts, where Tricky sits down and discusses current events, social issues, and much more. Hey, Andy, you on a Tricky Thoughts. I was. That was quite a in-depth conversation. You were the only episode that uh, we, we paused and... Started again to right. continue the conversation. Harder. It was so intense yes. and so deep. So go check that out. Do it. All right. Let's get into our Batman news. WB Montreal Games Montreal's Batman game has officially been announced. It is called Gotham Knights. After years of teasers, rumors, and speculation, Batman Arkham Origin Studio, WB Games Montreal, has finally revealed its next game. And before Alex corrects me, this article is coming from IGN. <laughs> uh, the game is officially announced. It's known as Gotham Knights. And it's set for release in 2021 for the PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Series X, and PC. Shown at DC Fandom, the game will feature two-player online co-op Five boroughs of Gotham City for players to explore, the ability to drive around via Bat Cycle, and an arsenal of combat and gear that will grow as the game progresses. The debut trailer opened with a voiceover describing the disaster in Gotham City with Bruce Wayne's Wayne's body seemingly found in the rubble. 
Among the characters shown are Batgirl, Robin, Nightwing, and Red Hood. The official description of each character in the game, which teases some of the unique abilities, brings to the table. Batgirl, known as Barbara Gordon, is the determined fighter and skilled hacker. As the daughter of deceased Gotham Commissioner Jim Gordon, she had helped Batman as Oracle in the past. Now, after years of recovery and pre- preparation, I stumbled my word there for a second. She's ready to step back into her new rule, wielding her melee tonfa and harnessing her training in kickboxing, capoeira, and jiu-jitsu. Capoeira. Nightwing is... That's what I said. Capoeira. Hey, capoeira. <laughs> hey. I remember only the strong. Do you remember only the strong? Uh, I don't I, think I so. <laughs> There was a movie called uh, Only the Strong that featured this, uh, uh, the actor, which I can't remember his name. Uh, he went into a troubled school, and to rally the, the, the school, he taught them all uh, capoeira. That sounds horrifying. It's actually a very good movie. I don't know if it holds up, but it was a good movie at the time. <laughs> all right, back to the topic ahead here. Nightwing is Dick Grayson, the first Robin who was Batman's protege before coming a hero in his own right. He's a natural leader and the eldest of the wisest and wisest member of the Batman family. Nightwing's mastery in acrobatics is complemented by his experienced use of his signature dual sticks, making him proficient at taking out enemies. Red Hood, formerly known as Jason Todd, is an intense and volatile anti-hero which stems from his death and forced resurrection by one of Batman's most dangerous foes. Red Hood has trouble has trouble keeping his temper in check, but will not hesitate to step into the line of fire when a friend is threatened. His training has given him peak human strength and proficiency in multiple combat techniques with all manners of weapons, both traditional and high-tech. And last is Robin, who is Tim Drake, the young prodigy and genius of the team, who is a master of deductive reasoning. As a true believer in Batman's mission, he is motivated by the conviction that Gotham City needs protecting and hopes will be the type he hopes to be the type of hero Batman personified. An expert fighter armed with his colossal quarterstaff and sealed in variety in stealth techniques, Robin also possesses a background in combined uh, psychological warfare and behavioral sciences. Uh, now, I'm assuming both of you guys watched the gameplay and the trailer. I did not because they lost me with this. Oh, what? Really? So, I part of me likes the fact that they're stepping away from Batman and in the beginning, Batman is dead, but they may—they were very clear that it wouldn't necessarily stay that way. So there is a chance that they could resurrect Batman. Um, also important to note that this is not part of the Arkham universe. Yes, this one is not part of so, the Arkham universe. Honestly, like DC, I don't like DC nearly as much as I like Marvel. And one of the, the things that I do like about DC is Batman and while I do appreciate that they're not just pumping out of the Batman game, they're actually featuring other characters, I don't really care about those characters. Mm. So, I mean, like now, having online co-op is really cool, and being able to play this through the story like that is awesome, but I don't care about Red Hood, I don't care about Robin, I don't care about Batgirl. As part of a game with Batman, they can add a lot. As a game focusing mostly on them, even if you're bringing Batman back later... It's a hard sell for me. Now, does the uh, what I didn't say in the article already, but the main villain is being teased as the Court of Owls. Does yeah. that interest you at all? No, because I mean, quite frankly, like I, 
I haven't followed the Court of Owls too much. I don't know much about them. So having not much background in that, there's not much for me to get excited for. But, I mean, like, I, I, I love a lot of the Batman villains. I think that the diversity and just kind of the creativity and zaniness within the Batman universe is one of the things that is a strength of Batman himself, is his villains. But, I don't know. The heroes they've chose to fo- focus on and just telling me the Court of Owls, which, you know, is something that has been long suspected. It's nice to have that confirmation, but they're just outside of the more like all the villains we've thought in the Arkham games before. And the fact that it isn't within the Arkham universe, I don't know. It's weird because I feel like I'm complaining about something, but also giving them praise like, Hey, it's great. They're focusing on these other characters, but I don't personally care about these other characters. It's, it's weird for me. It's a weird dichotomy for me, but yeah, like, like right. hearing that the game that at least at first Batman was not part of the game and that it was not part of the Arkham universe. It kind of turned me off to the point where it's like, I think it'll be great for other people, especially other DC fans, but not necessarily for me. All right, Andy. Well, at least now we know we have the the exact math now that one Batman equals three Robins and the Batgirl. So that's verified. You, math. you know, I was gonna say the same thing. We that's, just basically have three Robins. A verifiable fact. That's now that's now math we can all refer to. That's an actual equation we can rely on. Um, before I get into the whole the cast of characters, I do want to say that from a gameplay perspective, this looked and played better than the Marvel's Avengers game. For what was a pre-alpha that they were showing off in these eight or so minutes of gameplay? You're talking about the Square Enix yes. one. Okay. This looks way more fun and way more dynamic and a lot less clunky than the Marvel game, which I've played extensively through the open betas. Um, that's kind of cool. Now, if, with regards to Batman being dead and the cast... I do want to say I really hope that they have the balls to keep Batman dead in this game. No, I mean, they, they've already hinted, at least in the articles, that right. he's probably coming back. Sure. I mean, I think that's just to maybe kind of assuage people's anxiety, like, oh, shit, is Batman going to be dead in the whole game? Hey, he might come back, but I really hope that they have the, just like in the balls to keep him dead. Like, don't have him be the crutch. Because I feel like the Batman games, the Arkham games, are like such a nice little trilogy, and they encompass what it's like to play as Batman. You go through his, like, the biggest and most fearless rogues gallery, and now you have the lesser known, the Bat family taking the spotlight, going against a, not a, a huge villain with the Court of Owls, but still they're kind of up there, and allowing them to shine in their own game excites me, because it's hard to it's hard to just do another regular Batman game because it's been done so well so many times before. And this is not Rocksteady doing this Batman game. So having them fall back on the Bat family and giving that, making them feel unique in their play styles and that it's not Batman gets me excited. So it's kind of like the opposite of how you feel about this, Alex. See, and with me, like... I, I'm really liking the way the game looks. Uh, one thing is we, you could swap. They say what? Oh, oh, sorry, tricky. I lost connection there. Uh, I, I was. I... We lost. We lost Alex again. <laughs> this happens at least once a week, Andy. Just so you know. Sounds great. 
<laughs> Sorry, hold on. Can you all hear me? Yes. We can hear you now. Okay. Sorry. Um, I find it odd that they announced or heavily hinted that Batman will be back, come back from the dead, because that's something you would want to say for a big swerve later in the game. True. But it also kind of re- reeks of, well, hey, we don't know how well this game well, will sell without s- Batman, so if we throw this out there, second, maybe Alex. people will be like more enticed to buy it. Where did you hear or see that they said that they may be bringing Batman back? I haven't seen it. It's in one of the IGN articles that I posted. Because one of the IGN articles talks about why did they kill off Batman. And uh, WB Montreal, this coming from IGN, said that uh, they wanted to take away any certainty, any feeling of safety in the world. Basically, they wanted you to think if Batman, the big, like, steel superhero, like the protector of Gotham, was gone, how would you react to protect and save Gotham? Oh, I actually I didn't. Okay, I'm I'm looking at this right now. Uh, all right. Well, as far as the game goes, I mean, Daryl from the Loot Brothers he posted. You know, he says he can't wait for this game. The game looks cool. Uh, the fact that you can switch between the four characters at any time, uh, it's drop in, drop out, co op. That's all got me excited. But there's something about watching the gameplay that just seemed off to me, and I don't know what it was. Ooh, go on. I, I'm curious. I, I, I literally don't know what it is. I, I watched it. I was like, I'm buying this day one. It's not I, like I'm not hating on it. It's just something about the gameplay just seemed off to me, and I don't know what it was. Maybe it's because, uh, like, I, the closest thing I can think of is maybe because the combat is not like the combat in the Arkham games or in Origins, mm-hmm. where it's, you know, this seemed like a little bit, I don't want to say MMO-ish, but it just seemed like the the combat wasn't as hands-on as it was in the Arkham series. Now I could be hundred percent wrong, but that I, I but just watching the the gameplay, it just something seemed off to me, I and I can't put my finger on what it, it was. Well, like maybe they wanted to focus on their skills outside of hand-to-hand combat because while they're all pretty accomplished in hand-to-hand combat, they did talk about Batgirl being a hacker. So mm-hmm. maybe there was a, a want to focus away from the hand-to-hand combat and maybe show some of those other aspects. Tricky, I found but you that also... uh, in the IGN article, I think it's by Jordan Oleman. Uh, no, by Joe Screbbles. Uh, and this may be the author kind of taking some liberties with this, but it says, it's worth pointing out that while Batman might be messages dead at the start of the game, that's not necessarily going to remain the case. There are a few options here. Rocksteady's Arkham Knight ended with a Bruce Wayne faking his own death, for instance. So that's where I pulled that from. Well, we don't know that he faked his death. Well, that's... This seemed pretty... I didn't play that game, but it seemed pretty concrete there in what the, the author wrote. Right. <laughs> I mean... Uh, okay, well, I, I guess faking his death is uh, is basically an opinion because Batman dies at the end of Arkham Knight. Spoilers. Um, but there is a... They, after the cutscene, there's a, a scene where they're in the alley, in, in Crime Alley, and they look up and they see a Batman figure. But that doesn't mean that, you know, Bruce Wayne's back. Well, Robin's certainly not making that shadow. <laughs> if he puts on the Batsuit, he can. But Robin, Robin, right. did Robin ever put on the Batsuit? Well, we could also have... Uh... Because, because there were multiple, like, the people who played Robin had different alter egos. But to my knowledge, none of them ever played Batman. I think Tim Drake took over as Batman for a while. Now, I'm not a comic book guy. I don't know this for sure. 
but I think Tim Drake took over the cow for a while. But I also know in a uh, different universe, Damian Wayne became Batman. So I don't know if, you know, they're going down that path. So, I don't know. All right, so with that, I'm going to skip over the next article because we kind of, like, touched on that already. Uh, the next game that was announced, which is the game that I'm more interested in, is coming from Rocksteady, and it is in the Batman Arkham series, and it's called Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Beyond the obvious, given its sale and all, Suicide Squad has a 2022 release date. Revealed during DC FanDome panel, the first trailer revealed Suicide Squad, which includes Holly Quinn, Captain Boomerang, Deadshot, and King Shark. As the name implies, is revealed in his first trailer. Superman has become evil or something, and the Suicide Squad is tasked with killing the Justice League. Now, if you guys have not watched the trailer yet, uh, it basically opens up with us looking at Brainiac, and the assumption is that Brainiac has some, somehow taken over the Justice League, and the Suicide Squad is sent out to kill the Justice League. And from my understanding, what the article says, that this will lean very heavily or take very heavily from the, the comic of the Suicide Squad. So this a lot of this is pulled directly from the comic. Right. Suicide Squad will also be a one-to-four-player experience with co-op. Roxay says it will be completely playable in single-player with bots filling the role of the other three characters or load in with three friends as a full four-player squad. Furthermore, players will be able to jump in at any time, so start up a game in single-player or have one or two friends join or maybe a friend leaves. It's all up to you. Rocksteady T Suicide Squad with a mysterious image featuring an oddly purple Superman with the Suicide Squad crosshairs over his face, and they speculate on what it was, blah, blah, blah. Okay, we can take that out. Now, I have a question for you guys. Did you guys watch this trailer? Yes. Alex? What, what's that? Sorry, I was yelling at the cat. She was pulling on the carpet. <laughs> did you watch this trailer? Um, I did not, no. Okay, so Andy, this question is for you, and I don't even know if you're going to get the reference. Go ahead. Do you know who's doing the voice of King Shark? Oh, I don't. I'll give you a clue. It's a wrestler. Oh, see, then you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> see, I knew. <laughs> uh, okay, Alex. Is it Seamus? Uh, no. Samoa Joe. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, when I first saw King Shark, I I didn't know King oh, Shark existed. I love he just skipped right over that. Yeah, because when I first saw King Shark, I'm like, man, Killer Croc looks really shitty. Shittier <laughs> than he did in the movie. <laughs> but so the, the important thing that we need to repeat is that there will always be four players in your game. If you don't have friends in with you, then you will have computer AI. Because there will always be four right. of the Suicide Squad going at a time. Right, and also, if you're playing a single player and you have three AIs, you can switch between the characters independently. And, okay, so I, I like that there are always four people in at a time, you know, the, just not the feel like it's a team-based aspect, so you don't want to feel like you don't want to break up the team and make it feel like a solo adventure or like you play through this section of the game with this person, this section of the game with this person. It's, it's nice for the team-based aspect, to whether you're playing with anybody or not, you always have three other partners with you. And, you know, the Suicide Squad, they're an interesting bunch, not the most interesting villains in the Batman universe. To be honest, I don't, I don't know. I like Deadshot, Harley Quinn. I like Harley Quinn, but um, King Shark, C Captain Boomerang, eh. 
I could do I could do without them. So the weird thing to me is that when I heard the story, like I know uh-huh. it's lifted from the comics, but it seems so like goofy '90s cartoon, oh, like oh, Batman and the Justice League or Superman and the Justice League have been taken over. They're evil. Go stop them. I don't know. It all seems like too goofy to be actual serious game to me. It sounds like a well, and, and it's pretty damn obvious <laughs> they're not going to kill the characters too. You're not going to kill Superman. You're not going to kill Batman. Well, no, DC would not allow that. Which is why, which right. is why Batman probably didn't kill himself or didn't die at the end of what was an Arkham Knight, and why he probably won't stay dead in Gotham. Um, what? Go- uh, sorry, Gotham. Um, Knights. Yes, Gotham Knights. All right. So, but, I mean, Tricky, what do you like? What are your opinions on this? Because obviously, you're probably going to buy Gotham Knights. Are you going to buy? Also, are you interested in buying Suicide Squad? Because you know, Rocksteady, I, we, we haven't gotten a Rocksteady game in a long time, and if this is what they're working on, it had better be a doozy. I started this topic off by saying this is the game that I'm more interested in. Oh, well. So I, 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 I actually, I'm wondering why, though, because just to, again, echo Alex's thoughts, we haven't had a Rocksteady game since 2015. It's going to be seven years when this game comes out since their last release. How do you not show any gameplay? I was sitting there watching this in the live stream with, we got the marketing. It was Suicide Squad, DC Fandom, August 22nd, 20 minutes presentation. I was like, oh my God, it's been so long since we've seen these guys rock steady. We'll see the new game, see some gameplay, and it's just Will Arnett babbling and making bad E3 jokes. And we see Aisha Tyler come on, like the ghost of E3 past pops in. And I'm like, oh my god, they're not gonna show gameplay at all. I I guess I didn't see the Aisha Tyler part. Yeah, I was like, there's <laughs> legit no gameplay, and that you know what the teaser looked I, like it was Sunset Overdrivey. I got those vibes from it a little bit. I'm not sure if you guys got the same vibes. Like they, I like, did not. <laughs> but uh, Greg Miller from Kind of Funny, because uh, they did a live react, he said this kind of feels like Sunset Overdrive. Yeah. So I mean, like that's that like the. Gotham Knights obviously is a more serious, um, like serious tone to it. Like, oh, there's a big disaster. Oh, Batman's dead. This, like, everything they do with the Suicide Squad, whether it be a movie or a video game, seems really comical and really goofy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like those characters that they have in there, they're pretty dastardly. They're pretty violent. So why are these characters, the Suicide Squad, being constantly put into medium that makes them feel goofy and clownish? Right, and it's always like they're so cheesy for cheesiness' sake, like with their quippy one-liners. Like, I get it, like I get it, but like there's so much more depth to these characters than these one-liners and these moments they're trying to manufacture. And I just feel like when I compare both games, Gotham Knights and Suicide, I I I want Gotham Knights more than I want this game. I just I just how I feel. I was like, this doesn't look like. Something I'd want to play. And there's is no this, gameplay. It would excite me otherwise. Is, is this the right well, game to make, too, after the movie? Like, a lot of people don't know who Suicide Squad is because Batman and Superman have far more reach. And after the movie left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth, is this the right game for them to make? See, and also to that point, it, it feels like Warner said to Rocksteady, listen, we're making a new Suicide Squad movie. you got to make these guys seem cool and fun like Guardians of the Galaxy. Make them hip. Make people like these characters. Make a fun game with them. 
to sell it, to sell the movie. That's what it feels like. Well, if you're it, trying to create like hype around the Suicide Squad, like to get people to get be, to rally behind them as a property, and it's, I, it's I'm not falling for it to be honest. I mean, I well, I did, I did find it, uh, well, not funny, but I, I did notice that they did trade out uh, Killer Croc for King Shark. Well, King Shark is the more staple character in these in this universe. I was actually pissed right. that when they had the actual first movie that they subbed in Killer Croc for King, because King Shark is much more of a badass. And he- See, and uh, this this is kind of off topic a little bit, but uh, I was listening to uh, Kevin Smith's comedy special, um, and he was talking about how when he got wrapped up in the world of the Arrowverse and whatnot, uh, uh, Jay, uh, Jason Mewes, uh, got him hooked by calling him insane that they were doing King Shark oh, yeah. on The Flash. And he looked good and, in that show. Right. And Kevin Smith remarked, he goes, like, King Shark is a good comic book character, but you have to have balls to pull him off mm-hmm. in some kind of live action. Mm-hmm. And, like, and I found, like, when I watched this trailer, I was like, my first thought was, like, Kevin Smith's words, like, you have to have balls to put King Shark into this. Mm-hmm. But then they traded out, and then uh, I watched the, uh, well, I don't know if you call it a trailer, but, you know, the, the little video about the new Suicide Squad movie. And, yeah, they got King Shark in that one. And they didn't, they don't have Killer Croc. Well, I mean, that look at Killer Croc in Arkham Asylum was terrifying. He looked bad. Oh, yes. And oh, then yeah. you go to the movie, a Suicide Squad, and he looks like a fucking clown. Like, one of the worst-looking <laughs> aspects of that game, of that movie. Right, but the, the two don't necessarily relate to each other, like... There's gonna be be people that saw the Suicide Squad movie right. that never played the Arkham games, and more, the people that played the Arkham no, games was, that never saw the movie. No, it was more to your point of you got to have balls if you're gonna put this specific character in your medium, like in your show. Well, I'm I'm just saying that's what Kevin Smith says. Like I I thought uh, King Shark looked good on Flash. I think King Shark looks good in this trailer. Uh, I like it even hypes you up a little bit more knowing he's, that he's being voiced by Samoa also, Joe. Also, this little side note: his head looks a little bit tiny for his body. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a little bit. I feel like he's got a bigger head in the comic books and in the movie version. It seems like it's like a little on the smaller side. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our uh, topics of the week. We are proud supporters of Extra Life. Extra Life is a charity organization to raise money for the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. You can make a team, join a team, or play by yourself for your local hospital. Every year, we do a 24-hour sometimes 25-hour, marathon to raise money. This year, it's November 7th. Be sure to stop by extra-life.org to check out how you can join and help out. If you want to join our team, just look for the Proven Gamer team when registering. Even if you join a team, you will personally will still be raising money for the hospital you choose. If you would like to donate to us, go to tinyurl.com backslash provengamer2020, and you can search for our team members there to donate to their page. Play games, heal kids. Andy, please don't think less of me for the quality of that audio. It was great. <laughs> All right, so let's go into our topics of the week. Uh, we got two, uh, two and a half uh, topic of the weeks. Uh, as we talked about last week, the original story that Apple uh, uh, has pulled Fortnite off of their store, and Google has done the same thing on the Android devices. Uh, 
Apple has responded. This article is coming from IGN. Apple has responded to Epic's antitrust lawsuit in a legal filing made public today that says Epic did request a special deal from Apple, contrary to what Epic CEO Tim Sweeney has said publicly. As reported by CNBC, former Apple Senior Vice President Phil Schiller wrote on, quote, June 30th, 2020, Epic CEO's Tim Sweeney wrote my colleagues and me an email asking for a special deal that would fundamentally change the way in which Epic offers apps on Apple's iOS platform. Uh, Apple claims that Epic requested to offer... Apple claims that Epic requested to offer an Epic Game Store app on the App Store that will let iOS users install apps directly from Epic and bypass Apple's payment processing option. Apple goes on to say Epic's request for injunction to stop Apple from removing Epic's uh, account isn't valid as any harm happening to Epic is, quote, self-inflicted. All the injury Epic claims to its claims to itself, game players and developers could have been avoided if Epic filed its lawsuit without breaching its agreements. All of the alleged injury for which Epic improperly seeks emergency relief could disappear tomorrow if Epic cured its breach, end quote. Uh, now there's an update to the story. Uh, Epic CEO Tim Sweeney says the Apple statement on a special deal for Epic's games is, quote, misleading. In response, Sweeney published the June 30th email between him and Apple executives in which Sweeney requests permission to launch an Epic Games store app that doesn't adhere to Apple's payment system. I'm not going to read that. If you guys want to go check that out, go check out Tim Sweeney on Twitter. It's uh, at Tim Sweeney Epic. Uh, So, Alex, do you have any further thoughts on this? I mean, it it just seems like a mess. I mean, I think that... Um, hold on, I'm trying to see, Andy, do you have any comments on this? Let me see if I can read the, um, the Tim Sweeney thing. Yeah, again, I just love how people are getting in a tizzy over two mega corporations fighting over who gets to be more greedy or how much more money they get to make out of, out of people like us. I find it amusing how you have, and the thing of it is like you have for the, all the Fortnite players basically or in Epic's corner, as if Apple is like this big evil company that's restricting developers and players from certain freedoms. And then you have all the Apple fanboys, the iPhone fanboys, saying that Epic is just, they want to bypass Apple security and have them be paid directly through their customer, and and, and you cut out Apple from from the whole payment process. I find it all amusing, because it just, they're just fighting for your money. That's all. That's all that's happening, and people are gobbling it up. I love the the Fortnite propaganda thing. They did with the nineteen eighty four. It's like, what are you doing? Who are you trying to convince of this nonsense? I, I find it all amusing, to be honest. Well, my question to you, <laughs> Andy, is like, yeah, it is a bunch of billionaires yeah, fighting over money, really but is, yeah, <laughs> but I mean. If you were going to pick a side, whose side would you pick? Listen, would you pick Epic? Listen, if Epic, if Epic is honestly saying we want to put an our app on your store, and then our customers will pay us directly, and you are cut out of all that profit, hundred percent ours, then what if Epic were asked to put like I don't know a Nintendo store on their service? Would they would they refuse them and say, "Hey, Epic, we're going to put Switch Online here, 
for our folks to purchase stuff, but Nintendo gets all the profit. We just want it on your platform, on your horrible, disgusting, ugly platform that no one likes what it looks like, by the way. Or let's say Steam said, you want to put a Steam app in Epic, and we get all the money from Steam sales. Well, Steam, Steam wouldn't be fair but, because Steam is true, a competitor. I'm, listen, I'm saying it's totally fine, but it's the same exact situation, though. If, uh, if they want to put their app on their platform and say, we want it here, and we'll, we'll just have you, you're not going to get a, a penny out of it. It all goes right to us. And you can use this weird, like, we're going to mask it in righteousness of it's all for the players and developers and creativity. At the end of the day, it's all about money. So I don't want to hear this weird PR doublespeak about you're looking out for your your audience and game developers. You're looking out for your bottom line. And they both are, to be honest. It's both Apple and Epic who are trying well, to look at the numbers, basically. Well, Epic said by bypassing Apple's 30% fee on iOS, they're able to uh, sell their products for cheaper because they're not having to pay the 30%. Now, to be fair, and I pointed this out last week, if you buy the Battle Pass, which I think you have to buy, like, what, every two to three months? I'm not a Fortnite player. Um, the Battle Pass was $10. Now they're able to release it for 8 So... Arguably, you could say that they're backing up by saying, when I have to pay Apple their 30%, we're giving you the 30% back to the customers. Okay, so I, I found the quotes from, from the IGN article from Tim with the Team Sweeney shared. So um, he, he basically said that Apple's statement was misleading. Uh, and this is straight from the email. Uh, because of our restrictions imposed by Apple, Epic is unable to provide consumers with certain features in our iOS apps. We would like to offer consumers the following features. Competing payment processing options other than Apple Payments, well, at Apple's fees in Fortnite and other Epic Games software distributed through the iOS App Store. Competing Epic Store's app available through the iOS App Store and through direct installation that has equal access to underlying operating system features for software installation and update as the iOS App Store has itself including the ability to install and update software uh, seamlessly as the op- the iOS App Store experience. Apple says they asked for a special deal. That says that seems like a spe- like Tim Sweeney was asking for a special deal there. Mm-hmm. But basically he's saying, hey, could you please give us a way for our customers to buy stuff in-app to completely circumvent paying through Apple? Right. <laughs> and then please make allow our own personal app which people can install the game and, and software updates available on your store. So basically host all our stuff on your store where we get most, if not all the profit. I'm completely Tricky. with Apple on this. Tricky. Let's say I want to open up a, a pastry shop. Okay. okay. I want to sell donuts. When it comes to hiring staff and getting the product inventory insurance, I have to sell my donuts for eight dollars to make a profit or to break even okay so can i say yo dunkin donuts i'm gonna sit in your store with my donuts and sell them for six dollars and you can done the money i'm gonna sit in, oh. in your dunkin donuts with my own donuts and as your customer is walking i'll say hey try my donuts they're six dollars and they'll pay me and you have to sit there and take it. Does that sound fair to you? 
Because I, with my pastry shop, it will cost me more to sell my donuts. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I get what you're getting at, but my point is... If, if, is if that... we're really so righteous here about lowering the cost of a Fortnite Battle Pass... Fortnite Which makes, they done. Fortnite makes how much money hand over fist? Uh, I think they say they're making like a million yeah, dollars. Just lower the thing. Say, listen, we want to sell this thing cheaper, but, you know, because of Apple's cut, um, it's at this price. To be pro-consumer and to look out for, you know, everyone, we're just going to lower the price all around and still sell on Apple's. Now, essentially, you're making it look like Apple is cutting out Fortnite to all its users, and they're the villain in this. They've been framed as the villain in this scenario, which I don't like. Well, okay, well, outside of the story, I hate Apple as it is. <laughs> I think they're too restricted. But, 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 but within this story, you have to take that but, out of it and look at the facts well, as no, they are. Right. I, I'm trying. My, but, so I, I'm saying that because I want to understand where my next statements are going to come from. I... Don't believe Epic was right in the fact of trying to bypass Apple Store, but I do believe Apple is wrong for charging thirty percent. That's just insane. But why does Apple get to charge? Because because they're Apple. There's so many eyeballs Wait. on their marketplace. It's like paying for a Super Bowl ad. It's a premium place to live. So if you want but, something that's in their store that will get attention, and by being on them on their Apple marketplace, you got to pay to play. Well, and here's the other thing. Like, if they're not so concerned, like, they could still make a lot of money off of the Xbox, off of the PlayStation, right. and the Switch as well, and right. PC. They don't need to be on Apple. Right. Well, no, they don't have to. And, like, be, you know, before I was kind of cut off there, uh, <laughs> the point I'm making is, I, 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 okay, Epic is wrong for trying to bypass Apple. I think Apple is wrong for charging thirty percent. Okay, then take take but, your Apple. But wait, off wait, of this, wait. Let me let me finish. But if Epic went into this deal with Apple and agreed to thirty percent, then that's the deal they have to honor. Apple, Epic went into the Apple Store, signed in or you know a handshake agreement, whatever you want to call it. They agreed to those terms. Dude. So. I, I understand Epic wanting to lower the percentage, and I personally believe Apple is charging too much. I mean, th I think 30% is just way too much. But Epic did agree to that, so Epic is wrong here. 100%. And they're trying to use that with the in-game event we're going to talk about shortly. They're trying to use that to, to their advantage to make them look like the good guy and Apple mm -hmm. look like the bad guy when Apple's done nothing wrong in this situation. And I'm pretty sure... All the number crunchers on Epic side see the metrics of their Apple downloads and the money they make on that marketplace. And they were like, we could have 100% of these profits. Let's, let's take it to Apple. Let's, let's position this in a way that they're trying to keep us down. And this is all purely driven by greed on both parts. Because Absolutely. I'm pretty sure Apple was like, either you can take, you can keep our 30%, or you can lose all all of the percent and get nothing out of our store and just be gone with you. And I love how Microsoft is now backing Epic in this because... Yeah, I was going to get into that next. <laughs> for the, it's for the same reason. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, I, 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 there's too many links here. I don't know which one I'm supposed to get here. Uh, yeah. Phil Spencer put out a tweet uh, on August 23rd saying, Today we filed a statement in support of Epic's request to keep access to the Apple SDK for its Unreal Engine. Ensuring Epic has access to Apple's technology is the right thing for game developers and gamers. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, want, we want our streaming, we want xCloud on iOS without having to pay Apple. That's what you're trying to say in that statement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, we all know, and like, it, this is not in the news story. You know, Epic pays a percentage to Sony for being on the PlayStation. They of pay course. a percentage to Microsoft for being on the Xbox. Yeah. They pay a percentage to everybody that, even the toaster services that the game is mm-hmm. on. That's a bad Skyrim I, joke I, right there. Uh, well, I don't know. I think Fortnite's on every device that's now, like, isn't it? I'm saying that's like that's like a deep cut of their market base because there are far more people with cell phones than there are with gaming consoles around. So, it's yeah, how, how much might it be to play Fortnite on your phone? Um, some games that just don't lend themselves good to a true. I am I, yeah. Of course, well, as us as like core gamers, we get that, but. We don't know what that market's like for Fortnite on mobile app. And, yeah, and they are selling controllers for cell phones. Right. And, yeah, and they they are selling uh, controllers for cell phones now. So, I, I like, it's, all right. Let's get into the event. Uh, I lost the uh, the hashtag free Fortnite cup. Oh, good God! Yeah. It's okay. A, uh, this article is also coming from IGN. Epic Games has turned its feud with Apple into an in-game Fortnite event called the Hashtag Free Fortnite Cup. Epic Games has released a blog post detailing an in-game tournament meant to, quote, celebrate the quest for one more victory royale with friends across all platforms, end quote. What it really is, though, is a behind the final chance for iOS users to play with others before the game is updated for Chapter 2 Season 4, an update iOS players will currently not be able to install, is another opportunity for Epic Games to highlight its ongoing feud with Apple. This problems came to a head last week when Epic lowered the price for we, we v- already talked about V-Bucks. This. You, can, you can go. And by the way, this article is from IG and it comes from Wesley LeBlanc. But the, this next paragraph I, is our, stuff we've already gone over, Tricky. Well, I was going to go into, uh, just read the first line where they say they have lowered the price of the V-Bucks across all platforms. Well, here's here's how they are positioned. Epic is positioned, positioned, and this is a quote from the article. These are the final days of the entire Fortnite community abilities to play together. The post reads, Apple has blocked Fortnite from the App Store, preventing players from updating to new versions. Players on iOS devices will be left behind on Chapter 2, Season 3, while everyone else jumps into Chapter 2, Season 4, launch on August 27th. So, basically, they have a... Uh, kind of one of the figureheads of this cup is a very shadowy figure with an Apple head and sunglasses. And they do harken back. There's like it shows a picture of a hat with like the the llama from Fortnite, but it's in the Apple, the old 1984 Apple colors, like the rainbow scheme, and it says "Free Fortnite" on it. So they have basically positioned Apple or Apple as the villain in all of this, and they're trying to benefit in with an in-game event, which a lot of people who play Port Fortnite will probably agree with Epic, even though it's wrong. But they'll just... this is just propaganda right now. What they're doing, it's, I find it so amusing. It's like legitimate. It's propaganda. 100%. But it's a good marketing move. But, but I mean, it's sort it's of a brilliant, brilliant marketing it's also move. infuriating if you can see through it. Right, exactly. <laughs> and the irony, yeah, but again, the irony of 1984 that you're using, it's like, oh my God, like people 
people aren't going to see what's going on here. <laughs> I mean, but and we we talked about this many times. There's a lot of people like the hardcore gamers that listen to podcasts and stuff like that. We all see this bullshit. But to the soccer mom whose kid is playing Fortnite and seeing all this, you always got to act like soccer moms aren't woke. <laughs> Listen, let, let, let's be real, and I'm not. I'm not trying to to generalize here. He's about to. Did you hear him? He's about to do this. Oh boy. The, the, there are a lot more soccer moms who don't know what the fuck's going on in the game world than actually. I do. mean, there are a lot of parents in general that don't know what the fuck's going on. Not just soccer moms. There are plenty of dads that are out there that don't know what the fuck is going on. Uh, I'm only calling a soccer mom because John Cena once said that AJ Styles had a soccer mom haircut. But I would imagine most people, if you were to say, mommy, mommy, like, this evil Apple is, like, crushing Epic. Like, they'll know Apple, they won't know Epic. It's like, oh, my God, that small company that makes Fortnite is being crushed by Apple's, you know... That small company. ...harmful... (laughs) (laughs) The the same company that sold their idea from PUBG. (laughs) All right, let's get let's get into uh, a more good, more good. That's good English. Good. Remember uh, last week when week. I cracked a joke on you that you could barely handle English? Yeah. Well, here's another ad. I believe it. If you're listening to this, we want to thank you. Be sure to listen to our other podcasts, Game Stuff and PG Spoilers. All of the podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all of the podcast apps on your smart devices, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, and Deezer. Be sure to leave a rating and comments to let us know how we're doing. Andy, get on that Deezer. Mm, on that Deezer? Yeah. By the way, I don't know if you guys know, but your show's on Deezer. Okay. Get that Deezer. I want that, I want that Deezer money. <laughs> All right. So this is kind of like a, a, a joke topic of the week, but we kind of touched on this uh me, Alex, Yield, and Homer, because uh, I found this article while we were streaming on Twitch. Uh, Burger King has exploited Twitch for cheap ads. Andy, do you know anything about this? This is all news to me. I'm trying okay. to read your article right now, but explain it to me, please. All right. <laughs> this article is coming from rstechnica.com. Earlier this week, an advertising agency emerged with a video bragging about an ad campaign concept. We'll invade gaming-filled Twitch chat rooms and post ads for your brand for cheap. The attached video was uh, was exactly the kind of cringe you might expect from, quote, brand engages with video game culture, end quote. Basically, what Twitch did, or what Burger King did, was uh, you could go onto Twitch and there are, uh, you could donate money to your streamer. Uh, because the gamers are actually playing the games, most activate the text-to-speech feature in which when you donate, you can leave a message and the a computer program will read the message to you so you don't have to take your eyes off of the game, but you could also hear what the person had to say and respond. Well, what Burger King did was they would go into random streamers, uh, Twitch pages, donate $5, and advertise a Whopper combo meal or a 5 for 5 deal or whatever it was and spend $5 and advertise themselves. This pissed off a lot of people, because uh, namely the bigger streamers, because they're feeling that they're basically running a TV commercial on your ad and only paying $5 and felt that if you really want to advertise your product on my stream, properly sponsor us and pay us, you know, a, a decent rate. So, Andy, I'm going to leave this up to you. I'm going to let you start off. Is Burger King an asshole for doing this, or is it just fucking good strategy? 
<laughs> this is genius. I, I love how you have uh, Twitch streamers saying like, you know, do a sponsored stream, like pay me like a, give me like a, a satchel full of cash with a dollar sign on it. That's what I want. Like, they're basically calling out this cheapy version of a commercial. Whoever thought of this is a genius because it's like, it, it falls in the guidelines. Like, listen, if I pay you $5, like if I'm a regular person paying someone five bucks, I don't to like shout out my podcast or your podcast. That's totally fine. So this seems to me like it's super smart marketing. <laughs> See, okay. Uh, one of the messages, uh, which was donated to Ross Rubber Ninja O'Donovan. Uh, this is not the, the ninja that, you know, gets the most press. Uh, the, the Burger King donated says, I just donated $5 to tell you that you can spend $5 on a combo meal on the app. That, that was the message. <laughs> I think it's smart. <laughs> I think it's fucking great. But people are pointing out that this may, there may be FTC issues. Uh, in a report, Kotaku's Nathan Grayson went sniffing around to discover many other examples of the ads playing on real Twitch channels over the course of the week. And the Kotaku report quoted pretty much all of the hosts decrying this practice. Quote, I assumed it was some viewer shit posting, so I didn't stop them. Viewers uh, using my streams to advertise is against the rules. End quote. Many streamers point out that the ad agreements are a crucial part of their income, whether they are agreeing to video ads on their channel or other forms of consideration, banner ads, product placement, event co uh, collaboration. Quote, I really despise when companies take advantage of my live content in order to push their ads without clearing it with me first or offering what I should be paid in the marketing, which is more than $5, I'm pretty sure. And that was quoted by any musician on Twitter. So... Alex, you're kind of quiet. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, we've seen a lot of fast food companies on Twitter making funny comments, like get some some good press and media for making funny comments and having snappy comebacks to people on Twitter. And I mean, this is probably funny to us because, well, I, I guess I can't speak for, for Andy necessarily, but I don't stream on Twitch. So when Burger King does this kind of marketing, like for me, it's funny and it's kind of brilliant. But I can see how for other people it might be an issue. Like, well, why not just sponsor me instead of coming in here on my stream and using it as a way to advertise? So, like, I, like, I, it doesn't affect me at all. I don't need a Burger King. So, like, I'm, I'm basically outside looking in. And I, I think it's kind of funny and I think it's kind of brilliant as a way to get your name out there. Because, I mean, Burger King to me, like, when people think of fast food places to go or places to get food, Burger King just kind of isn't at the top of the hill. So I feel like they have to have smarter or better marketing than, say, McDonald's, which people just go to by second nature, like muscle memory. They can just drive to McDonald's. Mm -hmm. All right. You see, now you talk about food and because I was going to say Burger King has the best burgers. Uh, you know, but now the, the smart thing here to do, let's say I was a streamer that was getting like bombarded with Burger King $5 donations in the guise of what are commercials, I would say, Yo, Burger King, like, I love your burgers. They're amazing. Let's work out a deal. And I'll, I'll legit sponsor Burger King on my streams. Well, that's basically what they're saying. They're just saying it in a bitchy way, saying you should have asked me first before running your ad. Nah. <laughs> just laugh. It's five bucks. Laugh it off. Like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, like... Because here's the thing. Like, <laughs> whether there's an issue with it or not, like, Burger King, they got in there. 
they got themselves, they planted the seed in people's minds, and regardless of if there's anything wrong with it, people still realize that, they still recognize it, and they can't get it out of their heads. So, job done. People are thinking about Burger King now. Yeah. And it makes you wonder I, how many more companies will do the same thing. <laughs> well, I mean, like like uh, Andy pointed out, who, wh- whoever the ad campaign, whoever thought of this ad campaign is fucking brilliant. Because, <laughs> not like, listen, it may be getting a little bit of bad press, and I'm saying bad press with quotation marks here, but it's fucking also, brilliant. Like, people are still talking about this days later, including us. Also, what you were saying before about FTC regulations, it says... There's a guidance about the same article or something about deceptive online ads. Nothing deceptive right. here. It's like, hey, you can pay five bucks for this combo meal. And if that's what it is, <laughs> what's so deceptive? Uh, is it because it sounds like the streamer is promoting the $5 combo? He's, he's I, I reading think what a it, statement, basically. He's reading it on his stream. <laughs> Well, see, I, the, what's what's questionable, I mean, if you go further down in that paragraph, it says, the question is whether the FTC would define a fan account typing in a Twitch streamer's, Twitch streamer's chat room as an influence. If so, the lack of clear marketing about these $5 donations ads will surely run afoul of the uh, guidelines. See, as with me, you... The three of us and, you know, uh, Yield and Steven, uh, we could technically can be defined as influencers because we have a voice on the Internet. Mm-hmm. What we say and do can influence other people. So, sure. therefore, we are technically influenced. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm using that term loosely because there's no real definition of what an influence is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what the... what. The problem with what Burger King did, at least what's being called into question, I should say, is the fact that is Burger King overstepping their bounds by going through a loophole to advertise instead of having to clear it with said influencer? Right. But I feel like the the true butthurt here is just the greed portion. It's like you've circumvented paying me a larger lump of money to, to advertise for your product. That's where you're really angry. <laughs> but wouldn't you be upset about that, though? Hey, listen, if it happened once, I'd be like, ah, that's kind of cute. Like, Burger King put five bucks and did this on my thing. Like, you know, if they want to keep doing it, I would say, guys, I don't like Burger King. Don't go to Burger King. But they pay me to say it is a $5 deal. With that said, don't go to Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh... <laughs> I mean, I, like I said, I put this kind of like a joke <laughs> topic because I thought it was funny that Burger King is doing this. Uh, Burger King, if you'd like to give this podcast or mine $5 to sponsor your juicy burgers, uh, you're more than welcome Best to. burgers on the market, by the way. Flame bro, baby. <laughs> All right, Andy, before we uh, start closing out the show and whatnot, uh, there, there was a travesty that happened on the Twitch stream on tra- uh, Thursday. A travesty? A travesty. Oh, no. Uh, I was informed. Who touched you and where? And and, and th- this is probably going to backfire me because I know Andy. Oh, God. You know it will. Um, <laughs> I was informed that Alex, Yield, and Homer all like to put peanut butter on their pancakes and waffles. 
Uh-huh. That sounds... I was, all, I was also informed that at least one of them likes putting an egg on their hamburger. So am I here to be the deciding voice in these two controversial issues? No, no, I just, I just, want, I just want you to ridicule them for so their I under- choices. Listen, I, let's go with the latter first. I am totally for a fried egg on a burger. Um, what the hell is wrong with you people? Because burgers, like especially, you know, like a Santa Fe burger, or like, you know, it's like you're one of the milk, especially burger. Put some avocado in there, some grilled onions. It, 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 it's something about the yolk, the gooeyness with the burger and the cheese. It's a really good flavor combination. Now, on the former, this peanut butter on pancakes thing, are we talking like, you make some fresh buttermilk pancakes off the skillet or the frying pan, and you get your maple syrup, and you spread peanut butter on them? Like the, uh, instead Al- of Alex, butter? What happens you, is, like, the peanut butter, because you would put it on a hot waffle or pancake, the peanut butter actually, like, it's not like a thick coating. It becomes, like, it heats up, and it becomes uh-huh. more liquidy, less viscous. Uh, like, I get that it melts, but I, I, I can't mm-hmm. support this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was a peanut butter pancake that had like they were peanut butter chips or just peanut butter chunks that were melted in the actual pancake itself with like a banana or like a Nutella thing going on. But to just have a plain old pancake and or a waffle or or yeah and, and smear peanut butter on it, it feels like these are the telltale signs of a serial killer. Okay, so I'm not the only one that thinks that <laughs> peanut butter on a pancake is It seems is weird fucking... to Now, listen, I like to put antibiotic syrup on peanut butter on the English muffin, which sounds horrifying to some people. I like that. I am surrounded by assholes. <laughs> See, like, the way that I, I, I look I, at it, I, I need to put that sound bite in the show. Peanut butter and syrup on, well, here, like, say, a waffle or pancake. Well, here's the thing, Alex. I've never tried peanut butter on a plain pancake before. So I think I'm going to have to try this and come back on the show and report my findings because listen, it seems weird. I'm imagining it in my head what that would taste like because I'm all about butter on a pancake or a waffle. Butter and syrup. Or some powdered sugar. Yeah, but you can put, see Tricky, you can do more than the traditional classic thing. You can put like fruit and other things on pancakes and waffles. Oh yes, of course you can. Like some strawberries, some blueberries, stuff like that. So I think just for argument's sake and for science as well, I must try this and see what it's all about because I'm all about pushing flavor boundaries and pushing conventions and the normalcies of our society. So I think to have a proper stance on this, I must first try it. All right, and when when you do this, can you please videotape yourself oh, and sure, send yes. me the video? All right, uh, and one last question before we actually close out the show, because I forget where which side you fall down on. Uh, pineapple on pizza. Oh, you know I'm a big no for that. Thank God. All right, <laughs> let's. Uh... To be okay, to, to make this clear, Yield and Homer were both aghast when Tricky asked that on. Thursday, so they don't like it on pizza either, and I don't like fruit or pineapple on pizza. You know, if that's that's your thing, that's perfectly fine. That's what you you like to eat, but I, I personally don't like it on my pizza. Yeah. All right, let's let's go with the ad, and we'll close out the show. Be sure to follow us on all of our social media feeds. 
Just look for Proven Gamer on Twitter and Facebook. Be sure to also join the Trophy Horse Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash TW podcast. In the group is where you can ask questions for us to answer on the show. You can also send us an email via the Troy Memorial email. That address is trophyhorse at provengamer.com. Or if you would rather leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 330-PROVEN-9. That's 330-776-8369. You can watch our videos on YouTube by doing a search for Official Proven Gamer. You can also catch us streaming at twitch.tv backslash provengamer. And you can catch Tricky streaming for Extra Life every Sunday from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at twitch.tv backslash Extra Life for Kids. Remember, that's the number four, not the word. All right, Andy, you want to start us off with the shout-outs? Oh, yeah. Um, I get to plug all my things here? Is that how this works? Absolutely. So if you want to hear well, me... I, well, the only thing you're not allowed to mention, just for the record, is Steven, because he's dead to me. <laughs> Very well. If you want to hear me and someone that has my sense of humor... <laughs> who's, who's also dead, dead to tricky, me. Ask game developers a bunch of dumb shit, like... Do you prefer a pineapple on pizza? Yes or no? Uh, you could find me at Twitter at NDS Podcast. I'm also on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash dual screens TV or on our website, dualscreens.com. That's D U E L. Also on most, if not all, podcast services. In part, thanks to Tricky. Including yes. Deezer. <laughs> Which yes, I'm very excited on. about that. Uh, I, I I guess I should be happy to inform you that you're also on Pandora. Great. Love it. <laughs> All right, you have any more shout outs? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Alex, your shout outs. To be sir. fair, don't we also never mention that we're on Deezer? Unless CJ's on to say it. Well, it's it's in your I ad. Spell Deezer. <laughs> Like Weezer, but with a D. These are nuts. That's the running joke. Alex, do your shout out. Do a shout out to the listeners, the fans, the fuel to the fire of this trophy horse. Thank you all for devoting some time to the show every single week and joining us. And especially if you are also joining us on our Thursday Twitch sessions at 7 o'clock with Rocket League. This this week was chaotic because we had some four-player games going, some four-on-four matches, and there was a lot of yelling and screaming and insults. So if that kind of malarkey and sounds a lot of like you're stealing up Tricky's goals, you're talking, but I'm not going to pay attention. If that kind of malarkey sounds like you're yeah, because you stole my goal, just like you're stealing my words right now. Thursdays, but yes, thank you for supporting the show, the uh, our our Twitch channels, and the the website in any way you can. We truly appreciate it very very much. Give a shout out to to Tricky and to Yield who could not be here tonight because he's watched some SummerSlam. More importantly, though, give a shout out to Andy for cutting out a slice of his life and coming to join us on the show. Uh, you, sir, are not a host or a guest co-host on this show enough. Aw, you're so sweet. Yes, Andy is always, always welcome Andy back. And please month. do go check out Andy's podcast because they are very informative, funny, intelligent, and you get uh, into the, well, I shouldn't say the psyche, but you get into the mind kind of of some uh, budding game developers uh, around the uh, around the industry. So it's, it's, it's just a great listen all around. And last but not least, give a uh, shout out to my loving girlfriend, Ashley. Hopefully she'll, you know, be courageous enough to pick up some Cuphead with me once we, we can go co-op. 
play a little bit of that after I've gone through the main campaign. So that that's going to be it. Oh, I love you, honey. Don't want to forget <laughs> that. I love you too, sweetheart. I was talking to Andy. I knew it. I knew that too. I knew it. <laughs> that's, I, th- I thought that was obvious. Up. I want to give a shout out to the goddess who is making me a traditional Italian lasagna. Too bad she's not making you uh, some musica. Not to be confused with her Greek lasagna she normally makes me. Moustaka. Um, now you try, Tricky. Uh, you lost my traitor. <laughs> you, you just lost my, tra- you lost my traitor. Shout out to Sweet Mama D, who is addicted to Fall Guys. Andy, I, we, you got to get in. Yeah, it's going to happen. Us. Let me know when I'm there. That is... I, 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 was, tra- I was telling Yield. Yield's like, I, I, he's like, the game looks stupid. I'm like... It looks stupid until mm-hmm. you start playing it. Then you start cursing people out. Uh, yeah, it's to be fair. People also say that fun. Rocket League looks stupid until they actually start playing it. Uh, Andy, do you have PlayStation Plus? I do. So it's free. Fall Guys is free for PlayStation Plus this month until the end of the month. So we're 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 on the twenty third. So if you want to get on it, at least you know put it in the library. You know. Oh yes, it, it, it's already there. I've played it many times. Oh uh, okay, okay. All right, uh, and shout out to the listeners. Thank you very much. And if there's nothing else, until next week, happy trophy hunting. Later. Bye. song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash Even Philippines.